Hello, my name is Gudjon Bergman, GB for short, and this is the podcast Be Here, Get There. My guest in this episode is Dawn Sadarko. I've invited her on the show to talk about positive intelligence. Welcome, Dawn. Uh, before we get started, tell us how you got into coaching. Thank you for inviting me on your show, GB. Um, I've been a pharmacist since 1993, so a long time now. And with the pandemic, uh, you know, coaching was presented to me in a couple of ways. A couple of people mentioned it like, hey, you should be a life coach, something you don't really think about. And I went through a program um, for a yoga instructor. And so I kind of got a coach to become a yoga instructor where I've been trying to do it for 10 years before that. So I saw the power of coaching. So I thought, hey, this is something that I could really help people, you know, find a transition or help them get through something that they want to accomplish. Yeah, that's great. I took my yoga teacher training back in 1998, the first one, uh, and got into coaching about the same time, but it wasn't called coaching back then. So, <laughs> What was it, it called? It's just, you know, self-development, self-help, just helping people, you know, map out. It, it, it turned out always to be future-oriented. Uh, so that's what I like about coaching. I've, I've talked to a couple of psychologists on the show lately. And uh, we define the, you know, difference kind of between coaching and psychology, between future oriented and working towards something and trying to resolve some of the past. Now, you can resolve some of the past with some coaching, but you do the small stuff. You, 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 uh, you know, refer people to uh, uh, the professionals for the big stuff. Exactly. Because, I mean, in therapy, you learn a lot of tools, but I think it's when you want to accomplish something that you look for a coach, right? Basketball coach, baseball coach, football yeah. coach. Yeah. I was going to run and, a marathon. It, I'd get a it, running coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you and you say, okay, here's my aim. I want to aim for something and uh, I need some help. I need some guidance. I need some somebody to bounce ideas off of and, and, and that can help me. And it's a collaboration, right? Yeah, exactly. And the nicest thing is you just show up as yourself and so does the coach and they just help you with your own thoughts. You know, no one's putting words in your mouth or yeah. giving you solutions. You're coming up with your own solutions, which is so much more empowering. Exactly. Now, you told me that you have a specialty that you use when you're coaching, uh, positive intelligence. Uh, and I'm really interested to know more about that. So so Positive Intelligence is a book and is also um, now an app, but it's a coaching app. Uh, Shrizad Shermain is a Stanford professor, and he actually started doing this data and work about positive intelligence and your positivity vortex. So you can take this assessment, and if it's below 75% of the time, it's showing that your mind thought patterns are going into a negative spiral. So when you have a thought, it's automatically triggering a negative pathway in your brain. So coming up with that, he found that this thing is called positive intelligence or PQ. Um, if you come into your body, so a lot of people have a hard time meditating if you're sitting still. So this is like being present in your body and thinking of your feet on the floor, your hands on your lap, real time things that you can do to become present again as opposed to meditation helps, yes, and I've done that before, but if you're not in the 90 minutes or 20 minutes you do it in the morning, how does that affect you at 8 p.m.? How do you get mm -hmm. back into that mindset? So this is more like a daily check-in and you're just checking in with your body. So no one's saying meditate on this or think about that. You can just be present and accountable. 
And so eventually your pathways, when I say my husband upsets me, right? And I immediately get mad or whatever I do, I can stop myself and think, oh, why am I mad? Is it true? And instead of doing this predetermined pattern, I've stopped myself from this thinking and rewired my brain or allowed myself to think in a new way. It's interesting. I mean, I know the idea of neural pathways and how they strengthen through repetition and through doing thing, the same th things over and over again. So what you're saying is that if you get this score below 75, you've actually almost been conditioned to go into a negative spiral. A hundred percent, because I mean, our brains react in fight or flight, right? We all learned this with the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. We maybe have panic or things that we were not affected by before that we're really affected by. So how do you get yourself out of that panic mode? How do you get yourself out of that flight feeling when you're constantly feeling it? And so being able to be present in your body allows you to start, I think it decreases those pathways, but it actually increases gray matter in your frontal cortex of your brain. And studies have proven this. Um, and I just think anything that long-term makes your mind healthier is something that we are looking for as a society, right? that we're trying to live longer, but also be more present about living longer. So we're more mentally acute in doing that. Yeah, I think, so, I, you know, it has some elements from mindfulness. Mindfulness is, is can be meditation. It can also be focusing on the body. It can also be focusing on external things. It's just, what's your point of focus? So you say that the main focus of positive intelligence is to settle into the body, to become aware of the body. And, uh, but then there's more to it. It sounded like there, there, that there's a process of, of kind of determining whether or not you're, uh, choosing the right neural pathway, so to speak. Right. Well, it's, first of all, just recognizing that this voice in your head that we hear all the time is a judge and the judge is constantly telling you you're too old. You're not smart enough. You're not doing the right thing, you know? And so how do we make that judge go into a quieter mode or recognize it so it doesn't derail us? Because to the bottom, you know, most of us negative self-talk is something we've just, you know, through the years as children accommodated became. And they also have a saboteur assessment. So there's 10 saboteurs and you can take this assessment to see if you're a pleaser, a hyperachiever, a hypervigilant. We all have a mix of all of them but it gives you tools to focus on what your biggest saboteur is. So I'm a pleaser, which means I go with the flow, never want a confrontation, right? But then I'm realizing the lie about that is now maybe I can't ask what for what I need from people and they don't know what that is for me. So I'm actually making that relationship harder. So it's overcoming the thought of, I can't ask for what I need or people will be upset. Okay, so it's a combination. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you go through, you know, presence and then awareness of elements such as the saboteurs. Uh, so is it a kind of personality test that, you, that you're doing? Or? I think it's more just, it's a reflection of maybe the last 24 or 48 hours of your day. You just take a 50 question test, how often you felt a certain way, you know, whether you think, the things you achieve in life are the only things with value. It just kind of gives you an overall score. Mm. And we all have all of them, obviously. But I think sometimes recognizing 
the things that are limiting us can help us kind of unravel that picture. So the first two weeks really are focusing on the judge, finding that voice in your head, stopping it, working on just that mental muscle of coming back in the present body, you know, your feels your hands on the steering wheel, feet on the floor, you know, butt on the ground, your breath. Mm -hmm. And so I think overall that just helps your present body awareness in the moment, right? Whether you're driving, someone's cuts you off, what's your typical reaction? Mm -hmm. Do you really need to do that? Right. So it's just like the slow learning of what your brain's doing on the upside down is what it feels like to me. No, it's it's just increased awareness. It sounds like you just become increasingly aware, um, and you're pausing to allow yourself to determine. You know, is this the right response? Uh, the, the favorite Maslow quote that everybody uses is in, in between the uh, an event and response lie all the possibilities. Right, whatever happens, and then your response to it. If you if you can live in that gap between, uh, so it sounds like the, the the body awareness helps you live in that gap. Uh, well, between. it helps. Yeah, it does. It helps you become more aware of your actions and then maybe how your reactions are feeling other people. So, you know, there's such a thing as saboteur contagion. If you go into a meeting and you're leaving this meeting and you're in a bad mood, the meeting usually doesn't go well. Right. So it's just recognizing those kind of elements in yourself, because obviously working on just your mindset, you know, people say that a lot. But, you know, journaling, toxic positivity, you know, all this, it's good. You have to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I like it because it's like a game. It's an app. You have it on your phone. It reminds you in the morning, your focus of the day, which is increasing like empathy towards yourself and others, um, taking action, um, possibly exploring different avenues. So it kind of really helps you connect into your like oldest, wisest version of you, what you know is true. And your youngest self, you know, when you're that little kid, you have that favorite picture, the sparkles in your eye, and I have the empathy for you. It's funny. Um, of course, you know, the app is a great new way of doing the things that we were doing. Like when I was starting out, we did the affirmations and reminders and, and printed them out and <clears throat> put them up on the, uh, you know, bathroom mirror and the, in the kitchen and any, you know, in the car and all that. So the app has kind of replaced that old way of of triggering, of reminding you, of of bringing you back to awareness uh, of what it is that you're trying to focus on, or just bringing you back to the moment, so you're not so caught up in your mind spinning, right? Because mm -hmm. we try to go to sleep, and our mind plays that reel, right? And some nights we can't fall asleep, and maybe that's one of the biggest thing I've seen with this. By using this app, I've been able to fall asleep easily and stay asleep which has been a challenge for me over the last 20 years. Yeah. So just like a perk benefit as far as I'm concerned. So explain a little bit. So how does this take us into creating new neural pathways of positivity? You know, so, what, what's, what's the process here overall? So as you're stopping your negative, your thought, right. As you're stopping your reaction, I'm trying to think of a specific example, you know, whether it is, I didn't pay a bill on time or something, right? And so you go into this, I'm so stupid, all these things, you're judging yourself for what you've done. What you've done has already happened. So judging yourself isn't helping you, right? And so stopping that thought and then being present in your body is weakening that pathway and allowing a new pathway to start forming. And then the repetition of using the app and doing the daily practice 
because we like to get to people to a hundred is called PQ reps. So it's just 10 seconds of being present in your body, whether it's just inhaling and exhaling with your, you know, the, the breath, whether it's rubbing your fingertips together and feeling the ridges of each fingertip, whether it's you're walking, you can feel all pieces of your feet on the ground, every toe. So it's just taking the time to do that. And it doesn't make it hard, right? Because I think the hardest thing with mindset and like habits is if it, it can it fit in your day. Oh, yeah. I remember right? I was teaching yoga back in the early 2000s, and I was teaching all these different things that people could do. Oh, this only takes five minutes and this only takes five minutes. And one guy in the audience, he, he he calls out, hey, good, John. You know, if I do all of them, it'll take all day. <laughs> so right. so it, it has to be able to fit into people's busy schedules. And quite frankly, people have enough of everything today except time. So so making well, it easy to use is is essential. And Shirzad, you know, his statement is because he coaches a lot of CEOs and gets paid, you know, a lot of money an hour to coach these people. And he says the people that think they're too busy are the ones who need it the most. Right. Because it's exactly you have two minutes at any time during the day, you know, that you should be able to be present in your body. I think I learned a lot about how much a few minutes matter after I quit smoking back in the in the 90s. Um, and I replaced the smoking habit with reading. So I, so I, I carried a book around with me, I thought, okay, so here's, I've, I've been talk, you know, inhaling toxins for, for 12 years, um, poisoning my body not and now it's time to do something good for my mind, you know, and, and put something good in. So every time I, I heard the urge to smoke, I would grab the book and I would read something. And sometimes it was half a page, sometimes it was a page. And it, I was astounded at, by the end of the week how much I'd read in small increments. And I think people severely underestimate what can be done in you know short periods of time throughout the day. Exactly. And taking the time for yourself isn't selfish. It's the best self-love you can do, right? Is to, and you can be better for your family, better for your job, better for your career, present in your, how many of us go to the gym and don't think about the muscles we're working, right? Spend our whole time distracting ourselves. Being present in your body just has so many more benefits. Yeah. yeah. Or I think someone put in a book, maybe it was Oprah was talking about how many people are in this shower with you. You know, how many conversations are going on in your head that are talking to you this whole time instead of feeling the water on your body or the warmth, you know, the sensation of being in the shower instead. I think also because people have had so much time because of the pandemic, this living in the mind and not in the body kind of, you know, catastrophizing, uh, imagine like social anxiety, for example, has become a huge thing. Uh, and it's mostly because people are imagining what's what it's going to be like. And they're not just doing it and feeling it and experiencing it. And, and without, there's a lot of, um, need i feel today for yeah, positive solutions and and uh you know therapists are overwhelmed uh, coaches may be able to offer new ways to approach these things that that and and quite frankly uh i've been reading a few books on this not everybody who thinks they have anxiety today has anxiety they've just have pent up 
uh, you know, stress, they have pent up, uh, and they have, may have anxiety, but not to a clinical uh, anxiety level, you know, and they have, well, they can use. And I think it's use, a new awareness, right, yeah. of the anxiety. Yeah. And they can, and they can use um, less invasive methods to um, help themselves. Well, and listen, I'm a pharmacist, right? So I do believe in modern medicine, oh, yeah, but I absolutely. don't think, you know, so for my anxiety was so bad with the pandemic, trying to go to a basketball game here in, you know, Arizona, we're going to the Suns game. I was having a panic attack about going. So take your anxiety med before you go. We'll have a couple of drinks. Not a good combo, right? Go home, have another anxiety med and say to my family, hey, I don't know about this because meds and alcohol that's how people fall asleep and don't wake up. Right. And so I said, you know, take me to the emergency room because I'm scared. Right. And this, I think this could happen to anyone. And then they put, they decided, you know, Hey, she's here. She took meds. She's suicidal. So they put me on a suicide watch. And I was like, it took me maybe five hours of being awake to figure out what was going on. And so they had a conversation with me in the middle of the night. And I knew I was slurring my words. I could remember the conversation, but they just pigeonholed me into this category. And I had a, a appointment with my therapist the next day, but I didn't have a phone. My husband wasn't allowed to come in. And I finally, after 12 hours of fighting with them and having them talk to my therapist, had them release me because they were going to do a five-day mandatory inpatient. And I just think how many people don't have the resources or the knowledge to get out of that situation when that isn't exactly how they're feeling. But the, but that but then you run up again, and, and this, this maybe takes us off track a little bit. But we you run on into the systems that are in place that are there to protect people, but they can also be misused. Well, you know, I can remember the three yeah. questions they asked me right in the middle of the night. <clears throat> the phone was, um, <clears throat> did I? Why was I in the hospital? Right, and I said I took the medicine together. They said, did I get in a fight? And I said yes. They didn't say with who I got in a fight with my 21 year old son about who loved who more is what we thought about, but they thought that was, you know, just with my husband. And then they said, have you ever had thoughts of hurting yourself? We've all had thoughts of like, if I don't wake up tomorrow and from therapy, I've learned that just means you don't want your life to be the same every day. You want to change something. You're ready for a new awakening. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean necessarily what the question is they're asking you, but just ask that question incapacitated middle of the night, you're going to answer that, right? Yeah. And so by being honest in that situation, I'm wondering, I don't want people to lie, but I'm thinking, how did these people get help crossing that bridge from, I have anxiety, but I don't need to be put in rehab or a treatment program. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm the judge, jury, and executioner. I'm just saying from my personal experience, it was startling. Yeah, but but it's, it's a combination here of uh, as you say, using the medicine, but then also doing whatever work you can, like what you're teaching with positive intelligence, to get yourself into a better place. Do you do you feel? I think that was my trigger. Yeah, I think that yeah. was the bottom. Right, that was the bottom barrel. We all have to hit it maybe sometimes. Yeah, and maybe it was just like I'm sick of feeling this way, sick of having to rely on something to make me feel okay. And I think that was my realization back in the day as well. I thought, you know, it's great to do certain things to make myself feel differently, but 
I feel like I should be able to do more of that myself without outside help. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of self-reliance. I, you know, the more you can learn to rely on yourself, to trust yourself, uh, to trust your own judgment, to trust, uh, you know, to, even when you're overriding the, the, the judge and the, uh, the saboteurs and all that, but, but having that element and knowing, like when I've taught meditation, I th- say to people, okay, you can learn through an app, you can learn by somebody leading you, but if you learn how to do it without that, right? If you take the next step, you it, it can be a helpful tool, like any app can be a helpful tool for a while, but when you can release that and then you can learn how to do it on your own, that gives you right. true empowerment. And I think that's the habit forming, right? The six weeks, seven weeks of building the habit. Yeah. And then whether you decide to, because you can k- keep all the work you have for the six weeks, you don't have to continue with the program. I've decided to go on to the mastery, just because a mastery of basically becoming who I was, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Getting connected to the person that was happy and enthusiastic and excited every day to do a cartwheel or whatever, you know, just every new experience. I was filling prescriptions the other day and I said, the seven-year-old me would be so happy I get to put stickers on a bottle for a job right? Who would not be thrilled with that? And so it's just reframing my day-to-day interactions or transactions. And I think that was the beauty of the program for me, even the six weeks. If you don't continue on just having a tool, a resource you can use every day that you can use in any situation. What's the combination like when you're working with a client and you're using the app and then you're, you're doing the coaching sessions? What, what, how, how does that work together? So the app is self-directed. So you're using the app as a client by yourself and you're using it daily. I can go in as a coach and see, you know, how often you've used it. And then there's a, an hour long video that you watch and it usually talks about the judge or the saboteur you're dealing with. Um, you know, your sage powers kind of how to connect with some of those guided visualizations. And then you have oh, a pod pause, meeting. Pause there. Sage powers? Yeah. Sage, the power of the sage. Okay. There's five sage powers. He equates this to being a Jedi, which resonates with me outstandingly. You know, I love Princess Leia. Um, And he's like, your Jedi mind skills, you know, is what you need to build up to increase your sage power, which is empathy, explore, navigate, activate. And I can't think of the fifth one right now, but I'm sure it'll come. But it's basically to take any situation and say, I don't need to judge the person or the circumstance the outcome of this, that there's something positive that can come out of it. Of course, in extreme situations and grief, you know, we can't always see that. But if you think of your life, anything that's been challenging and hard and you thought was bad has become some kind of gift or opportunity for you. That's great. So, so that is the, I was, I was kind of looking for that transition. So from noticing the saboteurs into you know, building something. And so this looking for your sage power, but I I like the idea though, that looking for your sage power rather than creating it from the ground up. So he's kind of implying that it's already there. Right. He's saying your true essence of a person, the one you were born with, the one you see in your childhood picture, right. Hmm. Is still in you. You know, a lot of people do mirror work. You can stand in front of the mirror and look in your eyes and see that person, that seven-year-old. Right. And so I think it's just reconnecting you with that essence of who you are, which you know is there, right? Yeah. And to just to look at life more as 
the eyes of a seven-year-old, you know, a curiosity. Openness, explore. adventure. Yeah. And not preconditioned to say this is bad or I don't like this or this yeah. is good even. Just the openness to try. Yeah. Yeah, because that's really what creates the 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 handbrake, the stuck handbrake for some people are the prejudgments. Like I well, I don't need to do this. I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> and exactly I know how this is gonna turn out. I, I you know, so that that uh, and I I know this happens to me all the time that I go like, yeah, I don't need that. I've already done that or I've, you know, and I know how that turns out. Uh, and so coming back to the sense of openness, um, that's a powerful thing. Well, and the thing is that it can be applied to anywhere in your life. You want more connection, right? Maybe it's a relationship that you want to connect. Um, you know, I know that parents a lot of times have a problem handling or talking with their adult children. And that is, you know, a pain point for a lot of people. And so it's just taking your parental hat off, maybe, or your view of that out of the situation, including to judge yourself long enough to be present for the relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. So sorry, I, I stopped you, no there, but I really, I like the sage idea. So, so after the sage, you were, you were describing a process there. Well, you're just building your sage. So every time you're in your body and you're using the app or you're sitting there and doing the, that's building your sage powers. And so what we're wanting to do is your sage being your overriding system, right? So mm. over 75% of the time, your mind is working in your benefit. It's seeing creative new things. It's not judging every circumstance or outcome as bad, judging yourself or someone else. And so it's just, I mean, that's the simplicity of it, right? Yeah. It's the transition from fear to fierce love for yourself. Yeah. And the trust again, trust the, the sage. You know, I've defined self-confidence as the two things is trusting yourself to overcome uh, obstacles in life and trusting yourself to follow your dreams and goals. Um, and <clears throat> I, I like this process that you're describing because settling into the body listening, opening up, opening up to those parts of yourself. Um, even though you're using an app, it is self-directed. It is not you watching 10 more YouTube videos in search of a solution or you reading 10 more books. Now, I love books. I love the videos. But sometimes I feel like, hey, you know a lot more than you realize. <laughs> Enough already. Yeah, yeah, you read that book and thought, I've already read this, right? Because yeah. you've yeah. known all these ideas. They're not new. I read, I click on the article, 10 simple ways to something and every single thing I've already known. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how much more self-knowledge do we need? Well, and, yes, and, we and so how much obviously. more of that do we need from the outside, right? And and so the act of settling in, I mean, this this rhymes perfectly with all the mindfulness techniques that I know here. But look, everything is, <clears throat> there's nothing new under the sun, right? It's about how you put it together and how you present it to people and how it helps them. And that's why we need all these different coaches and all these different ways of doing things, because there are all these different people out there that need different ways of, of getting help and getting in touch with themselves, right? And so 
but but I, I really like this part of it that that hey don't read another 10 books just now just settle in just feel your fingertips just feel your tongue feel well your and breath. the beautiful thing feel is the um, they are offering for coaches to go through this they do cohorts and they give grants for coaches that are interested in this to go through the six-week program and you can do it with a group of coaches you know as a pod and it really just grows your coaching awareness, right? Of your community, because you have that community feeling, but just the internal knowledge you already have, it like activates all the stuff you know on hyperdrive because yeah. your brain's not constantly looking for some new answer. It knows that you already have answers. Yeah, looking within. It's like unlearning what we've already been programmed to be, right? programs we didn't choose it, it just happens it's life happens to us all yeah. and then choosing to stop the process and grow a different muscle so your mental muscle well and that's something that i've noticed that people sometimes forget that just because it's in your mind and that you can think it doesn't mean you can do it that it, it takes practice it takes um it's, you know, it's weightlifting. It's, it's, it's mental strengthening. Exactly. Um, and that's not something that just happens by you reading a book or you even, you know, you can know all these different things, but you have to practice, um, you know, and, and that's why I'm, I, I'm deep into any kind of practice that helps people generate a personal experience, anything that helps people get an experience of themselves. Um, and self-reliant experience, I think that is valuable in some way. Well, and I think, um, you know, seeing this and, you know, people have meditation practices, they teach meditation, but they don't know how to get in that meditation mindset when they're not in that situation, when they get triggered at two in the afternoon at a board meeting, right? Or something goes wrong in their day. So how do you bring that phase into everyday life? Because it's not always first thing in the morning that you have this anxiety, right? Yeah. And if you don't have time to go and sit, you know, we have two minutes to go and be present in our bodies. We maybe not don't have the 20 minutes and meditation is great. I still use it and practice it, but I like the way of incorporating this in the check-ins daily. I have check-ins three times a day. Mindfulness and a, a place to journal. Right, right yeah. exactly. And so I think that is a brilliant way. And I like the game part of it, right? I'm a kid, so I like to play the game, you know, just to see. And it's just nice to have that genuine open contagion of everyone wanting everyone to be better and not coming mm -hmm. from a place of dragging each other down. Yeah. So there's a, there's a degree of gamification and there's a degree of um, support network also that comes with this. Well, and I love the scientific part, right? The data yeah. brain science, right? So that to me is cool because then my pharmacist mind goes, aha, this is real. <laughs> You're not just full of it. It doesn't just yeah. make you think you feel better. You do feel better. Yeah. Yeah, it's always helpful. I mean, and, and that's really, uh, it's been interesting to be in this space for this long and follow all the meditation research and all that, uh, and how the emphasis um, in teaching meditation has shifted from uh, only philosophical or spiritual, when I started learning it, uh, to a combination and sometimes completely switched over to uh, scientific just the facts ma'am you know <laughs> right keep, well yeah. people don't have facts they don't believe it right they're the data mines they're those you know 
the very hyper rationals, right? They're like, show me the facts and then I'll believe you're right, you know? So there's a vortex where we can feel all those things and we still satisfy our brains. So anything else you want to tell me about positive intelligence before we wrap things up today? Well, I just think this coaching program or the way of they do the coaching coming from the places they are, because I did, you know, as new coach, they have a lot of people targeting you to join their program. And those were very fear-based coaching programs, right? You journaled about your fears. The fear of failure was too great, just overcoming it and pushing through. And instead of judging yourself in that way, I like the sage quality, the love, the empathy, the increasing your self-awareness and doing it from a place of service and love instead of just a place of fear mongering kind of situation is how it felt. Yeah, I think it, it, it sounds like a good combination of awareness of the things that drag you down and a shifting of awareness to the things that build you up, that that. And, and the place where you can live in more positivity. And again, it's, it's interesting. The whole positivity movement has changed a lot as well, just like the meditation, you know, what people, how people talked about being incessantly positive, no matter what has shifted. And even the concept of toxic positivity has um, kind of pushed some people away from the idea of being positive is, oh, it's, it's, it's not good for your mental health and all that. So I think uh, having a combination approach uh, and then gently shifting the mind and not just say, hey, just smile. <laughs> just, right. Just smile. Be happy. Just yeah. be happy, right? Yeah. I mean, you can choose to be happy every day, but when your brain starts telling you, hey, I can be happy every day, you yeah. don't have to just verbally vomit it or put it on social media for people to know. Yeah then it starts building in a different way when it's more true. Cause you know, it was like cheerleaders saying, be positive, smile. Yeah. 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 Cause there is a degree of fakeness sometimes in incessant positivity of a mask that you put on. And, you know, if you, if you just sit with a person long enough, you'll get to the pain that they're trying to hide. Uh, and so anything that, can help you do that genuinely from the inside out is is uh, worth looking at well and that's the avoider right so our avoider is one of our saboteurs we avoid things we don't like so <laughs> what do you do not think about the emotions we don't like to feel right oh yeah and and, and just part uh, of that. Turn, turn your back to them and say oh no no that's not happening and, and but we let them great. live in our heads that's the thing it's just like we need to stop them say you don't <laughs> get to rule my thoughts anymore well, this has been a great conversation, Don. Uh, if people want to find you and uh, your coaching practice, where do they go? Uh, my website is Sunrise Lifestyle Coach. So Sunrise like Dawn, Lifestyle Coach. I just want everyone to think like every new day, you can start anew. Like I want that to be the feeling people have. So I think that's why the name went with it. Excellent. I will uh, include that in the uh, description of the podcast when it's published. Awesome. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so Dawn. much. It was a pleasure to meet you. You too. So once again, my name is Goodjohn Bergman from Be Here, Get There Coaching. To learn more about my approach, visit BeHereGetThere.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.